I want to thank again my Chavayim, David and, and Debbie. The house is filled with brachas and should be filled with even more brachas. And, and they should be in Yerushalayim, as Hashem, all of us together. We're on page Yud Gimel of the Sichas Eschaz, because I'm still under the, the, the wonderful, the wonderful uh, Roshan of, of having Ritzi Mayu in Ashul last night. I know that the, the women weren't really uh, a chelik of that, but uh, I'm sure some of your some of the husbands that you heard that it was an unbelievable, as always, an unbelievable experience um, being his presence. And he has tremendous sipa kanefish, as I told you, knowing that that uh, that we're doing this. And uh, so let's let's continue. We were talking. The last thing we were talking about was the influence of the sviva of a person's environment, of the children's environment, and we were learning. A remarkable, a remarkable thing from the Rambam. For the Rambam was talking about, if necessary, and a pers- if a person has tried in his area, in his neighborhood, in his sviva, to be able to have the proper kind of uh, an influence on his children, his family, and himself, and he sees that it's not possible, and he tries everything, whatever that means nowadays. It, he would have to even go live by himself in the desert someplace with his family. And Rabbi Leib Chasman, Rabbi brings from the Tzadik, Rabbi Chasman, who explained that obviously we're talking about an extraordinary person who could be a better Jew living in the desert than living in, an, in a community that's not the best community. That's not a good community. People like us can't live in the desert. We would go crazy after a few days. And so we're talking about a great person. We're talking about a person who's capable of living in the desert. He's self-sufficient, not just physically, but in that way, even spiritually. But because of the possible negative effects of the wrong neighborhood, as opposed to the midbar, the desert, where there are no influences, the Rambam, who, as you know, is the most rational of, of our tzaddikim, this is no flight into anything kabbalistic or mystical, the Rambam says that a person has to be prepared to mamish live in the midbar, in the desert. So, we're learning to what an extent the Vayishlam has made us responsible for trying to place our children in the best possible environment. Not just that they shouldn't be harmed, which of course is, is, is understood, but in an environment where they could thrive as Jews and grow into, into great tzaddikim, into great tzaddikim. So that's what we're talking about. Now, page Yud Gimel, on the left-hand side, the Kamesh Kosov Mech is where we're up to. This is a chsam sefer that, that some of you might uh, have heard that we, I spoke about in the Shia Matzah Shabbos around a month ago, something like that. Uh, a remarkable chsam sefer. And he really lived that way. The chsam sefer was discussing in his introduction to, to his Shubas on Yeridaya, the chsam sefer was discussing the fact that Avram Avinu never quite reached the highest level of prophecy, the highest level of greatness, for instance, such as a person like Chana, who preceded him, who, as we know, rose up to Shemaim. He wasn't even buried in this world. And Avram Avinu never reached that level. And it makes us very sad, thinking that Avram Avinu had such potential, and he never, ever really reached that great potential. And yet, Hashem Baruch, when he speaks about Avram, when Hashem Baruch refers back to Avram, the most loving thing that Hashem can say about Avram Avinu, if we imagine Hashem giving a hesper, the eulogy of Avram Avinu, the words that Hashem said in his Torah about Avram Avinu is, ki yedativ, yedativ means I love him, you know why I love him? Because he has taught his children, his household, his students, he has taught them the way of Hashem. So, the Chassam Sofer explains that Avraham Avinu could have been the greatest prophet that ever lived. He had the greatest kishrenus, the greatest skills, the greatest talents. He had all that was necessary to become the greatest Navi that ever lived. He certainly could have gone up in a, in a, in a chariot of fire. So why didn't he become the Navi that he could have become? Because he was busy with his family. He was, he was busy with his family. He was the man that so says that as a result of that, Hashem rewarded him by granting him levels beyond what he could achieve because he was so busy trying to build a nation of maminim, of believers. 
So let's read inside. On the left hand side, page Yud Gimel, Shavram Avinu Nasan Hakal. That Avram Avinu gave up everything. Because there's nothing that meant more to Avram Avinu than getting close to Hashem. Sitos, so we're thinking, okay, see, it wasn't a Navi. Well, he wasn't a Navi. At least he had a, you know, he had a nice tent. And uh, he had plenty of cattle. But what, what he wanted more than anything, we can't understand what it means to be a Navi. What he wanted more than anything, I mean, he was a Navi. Of course he was a Navi. But what he wanted more than anything was to reach the highest, highest possible level of closeness to Hashem. And because of his involvement with the family, he wasn't able to. So that's giving up everything. For him, that was giving up the most precious thing in the world. He could have reached much higher levels. But he gave it up because of because of teaching the children, raising the family. And as you know, he also had a household of people that he brought in to Amuna and he converted and so on, him and Sari Menu. If he wouldn't have been so involved, you know that he was teaching when 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 people came in, when strangers would come in, he would he would teach them that there's a God. He would talk to them. He would have discussions with them, with his own family. He was constantly, constantly being mechazik his family, and as a result of that. He simply was not able to have the peace of mind and the solitude that's necessary, the quiet that's necessary in order to reach the highest madragas of prophecy. I mean, he was a great tzaddik, a great navi, but it could have been much more. And the Chassam Sofer tells us that even though on his own Avraham Avinu was not capable of reaching those, was not, was not practically able to reach those levels of knowing everything, still Hashem revealed these secrets to him. Hashem revealed as a gift. Why? As he says in the Torah, Hashem says, do you think I'm going to cover, conceal from Avraham anything? So the Chassam Sofer explains, Rav Simei doesn't bring the whole thing, that Hashem said, do you think that, that Avraham is going to lose out because of his devotion to his family, that I'm going to cause him to suffer or to lose as a result of that? Therefore, he knew things that were happening that were not really, by virtue of his own prophecy, he wasn't capable of knowing. So this was to teach us forever and ever that whatever you invest into your children, even though you, even though you might think this is something which obviously is, affects women much more than men, because a man, if he wants to, Halavai all mentioned one to a man who wants to is able to be in the base madrash. He's able to be part of the base madrash and to go to Shiram at night. A woman who is blessed with children, she oftentimes wonders when she's when she's uh, you know feeding a child on Yom Kippur. She thinks about right now like they're up to you know they're singing Ain Kitz for and uh, you know couple hundred men in shul stomping their feet and singing and kids for or clapping al chait and, and she's still arguing with the baby no 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 come on come on come on you know, trying to get the baby to have a little bit of, uh, of applesauce and the gavalt and I, and I and I thought that I was going to be a balas madregas you know when I was in school and, and I studied and I, and I was in seminary I'm even smarter than my husband I can become greater than my husband and so on and he's all day in shul and then he's going in the Simchas and then different things. And, and the mother's always a mother, 24 hours, 7 days a week, with a spoon. And all these inyanim and, and cleaning and changing. The... So a woman feels very, very much that, it's, that, that I'm making this kind of a sacrifice. And, and I'm willing to, a holy woman feels, I'm, I, I'm okay with sacrificing of my own sleeping time. I'm a cobbler. Okay, I'm not going to sleep. I'm prepared to sacrifice, to give up comforts and other things for the sake of my children. But how can I give up closeness to Hashem? Isn't that the tachlis of my creation? That I should get closer to Hashem, that I should be able to daven? And I'm standing here Yom Kippur the same way that I am every other day of the year on Yom Kippur. So, I'm giving up my ruchnias for my children. So the first one of us that ever lived is Avram Avinu. And Avram Avinu taught that the, that the Ratzon Hashem, the will of Hashem is 
that a person be prepared to give up even the highest madregas in ruchnias, in spirituality, in closeness to Hashem, because this is the greatest thing that a person can do, which is to perpetuate and one of Hashem, belief in Hashem, and Klai Yisrael, which includes sitting with a spoon and, and, and making sure that the baby has breakfast. All of that is is the is the avoid of Klai Yisrael to perpetuate the dares. So it means giving up even these things. Now obviously, a woman's more muksha, she has more of an ability in that way to make these sacrifices. It's not that it's easier for her, but she was she was given by Hashem special special kaiches to be able to do this, and therefore the same way that Hashem has brought promised and He said to Avram, "Do you think that I'm not going to bring Avram Avinu to the highest place in Aram Haba? Do you think that I'm not going to? Do you think that I'm going to conceal and cover from him those things that are happening in the higher world? I won't do that because what He did was for my sake and for the sake of the chinuch of, of Jewish children of the future." That's what the Chassam Sefer says over there. You can't lose. Even though you feel like you're losing. And again, I'm not talking about physical things. That's a klinikite. What's a person, if people, if they're worried that they're losing their vacation because they have to be with their children. I mean, that's, that's time immature. I'm talking about people who are, people who are worried about losing Madragis and Hashem. Not because they're not they're afraid that they can't go to, you know, Palm Springs or something. They, they, they want to be close to Hashem. And they're constantly preoccupied with their children. Or they have these ideas. I want to, I would like to go to Shiur. And they see that there, they see these, you know, the, the the brigade of holy women marching off to Shiurim every morning of the week. We're living in a neighborhood, Baruch Hashem. There's so many Shiurim. I don't think there's anywhere else in the world where there's so many things going on. And the women are able to go to Shiurim, and, and, and this lonely woman sits and she sees by the window, and she's, she's holding the baby, and she sees her friends, you know, going off to some Shiur. And she says, It's not right. I don't understand. So I'm supposed to be inspired? I'm not inspired. I'm just tired. So. The Chassam Sefer says that this is the beginning of Klai Yisrael. That Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu gave this over to us. That Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu also sat by the window. And he also saw, I mean, uh, figuratively, of course. He was pretty much, uh, uh, he was pretty much alone in his Avayda. But he, figuratively, he was sitting by the window with children, watching while other people were going to Shiurim. And Hashem Baruch said, Avram. And you have Chanach, you have other tzaddikim that they're flying up to Shemayim, and all kinds of talking to Malachim. And Avram Avinu is, Avram Avinu is, and he's telling over, he's telling over that there's a Rabbani Shalom, he's telling over stories to children. It's an unbelievable beginning of Klai that we have to remember. You can't lose. Vaniya Galala. Therefore, Hashem says, I'm going to reveal to him these secrets. Not only, now this is the hardest sacrifice. This is what we were talking about a little bit last week. You remember, you remember that, that we were talking about the Akeda, right? And Rosh Hashanah. And we were talking about the, the most amazing thing that on the holy, at the holiest time of the year, right before we we're going to blow the shofar, on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, we read from the Torah, right before Shofar, we read from the Torah about Sarimenu deciding that it was necessary to have Yishmol removed from the family. And Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu inst- instinctively didn't agree. Avram Avinu is the, is the biggest Balchester in the world. So none of us could see doing that. So certainly Avram Avinu couldn't see doing that. And Hashem Baruch told him, that Sarimenu was right. So, what did Avraham Avinu give up by sending out Ishmael and Hagar? He gave up the very essence of his entire life, of his existence. And the essence of his existence was kindness. Same thing when it came to the Akedah, when it came to the sacrifice of his own child. And all of you know, the Mepharshim explained that for Avraham Avinu to do that, when he is not just a nice person, as we spoke about last time, he is the embodiment of kindness on earth. He is the chariot of God's Midah Chesed in this world. For him to lift up a knife to a child's throat is something which is beyond our, under, our, our understanding. It was, it was a complete and total relinquishing of the self, of who he was. So why did he, why did he do this? Why was he small Why was he small removed? So we learned this. Ragam is nakudas achesed, that he had to give up the point of his life, the inner point of his life, which was what loving kindness. 
Again, so you and I are thinking, yeah, who wants to have Yishmael anyway in the house? You know, what kind of a, what kind of a child is that? That's not how Avraham Avinu thought. You know that you speak to parents, Hashem Yirachim, who have difficult children, and they have many, many friends that are telling them, it's enough ready, it's enough ready, it's enough ready. I, I, I'm talking to parents like this all the time. And don't you see that, they, don't you see what's happening in the house? Don't you see you can't, this, the kid has to be sent away. You have to put the kid in some place. You have to go. You can't go on like this. The kids are horrible. destroying your life. It's destroying the children. But for a parent to give up a child, it's not something that, that only a parent who's ever been in that position knows what that means. To give, up, to give up a child. And here it wasn't with the expectation that it was going to be just a temporary thing, that he's going to go, you know, he's going to, go to some place for, for two months and he's going to come back okay. He understood that it was banishment that was going to be forever and ever of his child, who he loved. That's the point of his life, was to be kind and to be loving. And he had to give that up. Shashpitz, that's not Hebrew, that's Yiddish. Shashpitz Chesed, meaning, what did that teach us? When he made that, when he when he realized that he's going to give up Yishmael, so Tzimei says that that was the greatest act of kindness of his life. In effect, that was the greatest kindness of his life. Why? Because the Shpitz Chesed, meaning the point, the greatest and most glorious act of Chesed. In the Torah of Avraham Avinu's Chesed in the Torah, one which when we look at, it, we say it's the opposite of Chesed. Was what was a Chesed Amiti who im hasayvivim aisa. The greatest Chesed that a person can do are for those who he lives with. Not meaning what for those who are sayvivim aisa. What does that mean? We spoke about this in the past. So everybody knows that the Pesach and Torah from which we learn the mitzvah of Ahavas Yisrael is v'ahavt l'reyacha kamaycha. Right? V'ahavt to love another Jew as yourself. Now the, the, there's a reason the Tzadikim say we once spoke about this. Why the Torah says v'ahavt l'reyacha. A reya means a very close and dear friend. It means, it means someone who, who's attached to you. It means mishpoch, it means close friends. So you would think that the Torah would say, you should love every Jew. So that Tzadikim explained that it's much easier to love Jews who are away from your house. It's much easier to be a very loving Jew to other people than to be loving to the ones who are in your own household. So the Torah revealed the mitzvah of Ahavis Yisrael with, with what? Because everybody knows that when it comes to one's own family and one's own relatives, you have people that they love every Jew, but they, but, but they can't get along with their mother-in-law. Loves every Jew in the world, and would give up everything for every Jew in the world. But it, but this person is in constant in constant battles with a child, and saying things that are that, that, that are crazy to say to a kid. But would never say that to another child. And if you and if you hear that, if you hear another parent saying that, you say, what's the matter with It's a mitzvah of a Israel, How can you talk to a Jew that way? How can you even think about a Jew such negative things? We don't have such a problem when it comes to strangers, when it comes to everybody talks about this yid and that yid and the Havis Yisrael and our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. That's all beautiful. What about the brothers and sisters that are in the same under the same roof? So the Torah is Megalev that, that the that the the, the Torah revealed that the Yisoid of Chesed, the Yisoid of Chesed, and the greatest difficulty and tests of Chesed is to what is to be absolutely good to your own family. Now that sounds so obvious. It sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but it's not. And that's what was revealed here in the parasha of Yishmael, Yitzchak Yishmael. He explains, We have to remember that the highest level of chesed, and at the same time the beginning of chesed, is not to cause pain or aggravation to those who are our relatives who are close to us. With their dafka, people take take liberty, they feel so comfortable, and they know that, well, he's always going to forgive me, she's always going to forgive me, a husband and a wife. There's no mitzvah of a havis between a husband and a wife. That's the beginning of a havis A person who's my sanefish, his whole life or her whole life, one for the other, and, and to say things that are, that are hurtful. To do things that are that are inconsiderate <clears throat> for someone who is my sinefish for you. 
So the Torah is teaching us that the highest chesed and the yisait of all chesed is davke, save upon him yafis Save upon him yafis to show a smile to those who are close to you. You have people when they go to work, hi, hi, hi. You know, you see, and they come in after the week and they're kissing like a rabbi, like they didn't see each other, you know, since he's here in Israel. Everybody's kissing and hugging. Ha, huh, how are you? Oh, oh how's this house? I was save upon him yafis. But, but the, when the children come back from school, where's your homework? Huh? <laughs> well, the husband comes back after a hard day. And, he's, and the whole day is chalishing, chalishing just to see a little ha'aris upon him. Okay, so she had a hard day, and then, and, and where were you my, the whole day when I had this with a kid and that with a kid, and I had to take care of this and there. And so he all, but he had his own inyana. So he's walking, he walks into the house, and all he's waiting for is a little bit of a ha'aris upon him, a little save upon him in the office. A parent, a, a child comes back to a parent, and a, an older child comes back to an older parent. And the whole, the whole feeler of every parent is that when they see the child, an old, I'm talking about already a married child, when they see a child, that what, that they should be with a, with a lichtekeit, that the, that the, the son daughter should come and give him a hug and should smile and I save upon him in the office. And I right away to say, oh, I had a lousy day in my whole life and you're responsible because you brought me to the world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the person, that lichtekeit, with a simchas achayim, a save upon him in the office. And you know something, to everybody else in the world, you're like Miss Cheerfulness. Everybody meets, if anybody meets you online in the bakery, uh, in the st- you're the friendliest, warmest person. Such a nice person. But with the craving, the children, the husband, the parents, this is the, this is the hardest Nisayan for all of us. This is the biggest Nisayan. Part of me offers the craving, but bias. But bias, whenever he says that, but bias, he always means the wife. Im chaverim, with friends. Yeladim and hairim, with children, parents, craving, altars, craving. You want to know what your midas really are? It's not how you are with the person in line of the bakery. It's not because everybody, you know, everybody, the sister who thinks you're the greatest person that ever lived. That's very nice. And of course we have to be nice to every Jew. There's no question we have to be nice people to every Jew and to, to every non-Jew. We have to be nice people. But the, but, the fact that you're nice online in the bakery doesn't indicate that you're such a geval de gabalas midas. That's not a nisoyin for one's midas. A nisoyin for one's midas, <clears throat> it's like, you know, when a person, a person is speaking a little bit the way that they shouldn't speak and then some, and there's somebody on the phone and the kids are holding the phone, you don't even realize it, like the kids are holding the phone like this and they're waiting, you know, to put you on the phone. And there's somebody who you've been for the last 30 years grooming to think that you're the nicest person. And you're saying things like to one of the kids that's not so great. And they say, what are you doing here? What are you standing here with the phone? Oh, that's, uh, that's the so-and-so. You know, uh, Mrs. So-and-so. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know what to do, right? And oh, hi, how are you? Uh, just uh, some role acting here, playing, you know, some stuff, some chinichos going on in the house. No, uh, so, so to the lady on the phone, your whole life, you're trying to show you a certain, a certain, uh, uh, a certain type of a personality, which is definitely a part of you, and you want to be that way. But with the children, it's so hard to keep that up. It's such an isoyin v'hapli re'achal kamaycha for the ones who you're closest to, to love and to show them <coughs> this love, and to and with the midas, that the midas should be midas tayvus, good midas with the people you're closest to. So what did Avraham Avinu teach us? What Avraham Avinu taught us is this amazing thing. He taught us that even though intuitively he was prepared to undertake a Kirov project with Yishmael. And undoubtedly he had been trying to influence Yishmael for a long time to be better. There's no question about it. Avraham Avinu, he was trying it wasn't going. At this point, it was having already some, the beginnings of a negative impact upon Yitzchak. And Hashem's Baruch had told Avraham Avinu that Yitzchak Avinu is to be the, is to be the father of this, of this nation. He's the Kibi Yitzchak Yikar Lechazar. He's the foundation of the world. Has to go through Yitzchak. So there's a Yitzchak Taif inside Avraham Avinu that's saying, 
give him another chance. Give him another, give Yisrael another chance. Because he's chesed. Avraham is a chesed. So what happened? And we read about this every year, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, before we blush over, the holiest moment of the year. That Avraham Avinu realized, through Sarimenu, because this is the Nakuda of a, of a woman, he realized that for me to be for me to be kind at the expense of my of the family, the influence that Yishmol is having on everybody else, and what this meant for the future of the entire people was not the Ratzon Hashem. Which doesn't mean that people like us can learn from there that if there's, God forbid, a child who's difficult that we could Khalil throw him out of the house. Obviously, there are much, much deeper things that are happening with Yishmol. It's not like a child who's having a hard time, what we understand nowadays. But it's something which it's something which Avroma Vinu taught at the very beginning, the Yisoyed of Shmiras Hayeladim, that the Yisoyed Hashem Baruch wants is that we should love our family and we should be good to those who are closest to us. And if this and if there are others who are not from that inner circle, who are are somehow, even though here it's it's amazing because it was Yishmael, but it wasn't the son of Sarimein. That when when there's somebody who's threatening that that inner life of my family, even though it seems not nice, even though it seems like you're not such a big Balchasid, Hashem wants us to protect our children. That's what he says here. He explains that sometimes there are all kinds of things that you'd like to accomplish. Good things. You want to bring all kinds of mitzvahs into the house. You decide you want to do you want you want to bring in all kinds of people into the house and be makar of people and tons of achnasis orchem and all good things. These are good things. And you know, you want to be like you here in Yushalayim, there's a person that has every Shabbos, he has 60 people at his table, and you, just, and you, and you, tell, you, know, you tell your husband, and when we got married, I made up my mind, I want to be like that person, because I was once there for Shabbos, you know, in Yushalayim, and, and, I, and I saw an unbelievable thing to have 50, 60 people at the table, or you want to make this project to have every night a shi in the house, or to, do, or to, have, you know, to, to give away clothing from the house. These are all very noble things. When they're done at the right time, in the right way, by the right person. But if it's going to be on the cheshman of the family, so then it could be that what you think is the greatest mitzvah is in fact not a mitzvah at all. V'lifal or l'sasek become a minei mitzvah. Talking about doing mitzvahs. Don't do good things. Tzvichim lizka keseder. One has to remember keseder. Shahadovar harishinhu that Hashem wants all those nice things from us. Hashem wants all good things that we could try to do to help other Yidin. Hashem wants us to do good things. To be involved in you know, fundraising projects. All good things. But, the, but the, the first and most important thing that Hashem wants us to remember is our responsibility to make our homes Kaidish Kadashim. Last night Ratsumay said a simple thing. That that he said a simple thing that sometimes he just slips by. He he mentioned just in the in the context of the of the Shmuz, which by the way it's on a the, the fellows made a, a CD of it. It's not the same thing as being there, but it's a little bit hard to understand. His English is not so good. But we have a tape of it. Um, he said that you know, it used, and I've spoken about this a million times. You know that it used to be that that be, try to try to imagine what it was like before there were telephones. Forget about televisions and internet. Before there were even telephones, you know what it meant. It meant that as busy as as a, a man was during the day at work, as busy as he was at work, from the moment that he stepped into his house, he knew that there was nothing else. Now he could choose to ignore his family in the house, but he's not going to feel good about it. And he realizes that he's trying to escape. Nowadays, a person comes into his house, he comes back from a whole day of work, and he's still getting beeps and messages and calling and the phone's on the hook, and he has the few minutes that he has with the children are not really bechlal, are not, are not spent in a, in, a, in a way that's real. And Ritzumay said, where does it say that you can't take the phone off the hook? Take the phone off the hook? I don't know nowadays if that makes a difference because they... Phones are like super phones or something. But take the phone, take the phone off the hook. 
He says there's a din in Torah that's called the Isaac the Mitzvah, Potom in a Mitzvah. You know what that means, that when you're involved with one Mitzvah, you're exempt from another Mitzvah. When you're spending time with the children, you're exempt from all the nice things that you that you think you're accomplishing. Allah has come of a common when it comes to figuring out that you can make one more deal or to make this person happy. Nothing ever happens if you take... It took me many years to, 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 to learn this. Nothing ever happens if you, if you take off a couple of hours or if you say tonight... I'm not. I'm not answering. I'm just not. I'm going to be. I'm going to be icy with the mishpach. Icy with the part of my Nothing happens to return to that. To that part. And if so, and if something happens, if, there, if 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 you if the husband if there's a, a, something at work or to lose a customer, obviously I'm not talking about anything medical. Obviously I'm not talking about someone, a parent that's, that you have to hear on the phone that's not well. God forbid. But stop the regular things in life, even nice things, even good things. So, so nowadays they have a, a new thing that the Barishalom sent us. It's called people leave messages. So you can you can you can even it's not like in the old times it would just be frustrating. You heard a, a busy signal. But nowadays you leave a message and you can you can listen to the message tomorrow. So what's going to happen from what's going to happen from last night from the night before to the next day? So some some you know somebody called up at this beginning that beginning. So what we're learning is that the biggest Indian in life is that the house should be Kaddish Kadasha. And we have to realize that the telephone is the telephone is causing an unbelievable churban, an unbelievable churban. I'm not even talking about the other machines. The telephone is a churban, the time that's spent on the telephone that years ago it never was. That was time that would have been spent, that would have been spent even just sitting around and and and, and uh, reading or knitting. But the children feel that you're with them, as opposed to being with somebody like you know, uh, could be a thousand miles away. Now the children are sitting in the house, and can say that they're, they're, they're staring at people who are bechlal not with them, who are engaged in all kinds of conversations with people that are not. They are talking in hours on the phone, schmoozing, even conversations that could be kept to five minutes. That I, I push it personally, I cannot sifle to be on the phone more than five ten minutes. Some of you might know that. I'm not sifle to be on the phone more than five or ten minutes. You know, people could sit on the phone for a half hour, an hour, two hours, and their children are just draining around or whatever. So what are you going to do? It's not like you can sit there reading them stories the whole time. Okay, but but uh, you remember I read that thing to you that maybe in Kippur last year. Just to have the mother sitting there quietly. This it's that kind of a night. We read that little essay. It's that type of a night that children live for. Just being like the you know everybody wants to have a house with a den. It's like a dream. We have this family room. Good. Other other. So what? So the kids have to have a family room. So the so the the, the, the father uh, takes out his cell phone, and the mother says, "Excuse me, sweetheart." And is on an hour, two hours. And most of the conversations could be two minutes. I'm not talking about keep it aim, Obviously, to talk to a parent is a mitzvah. To call a parent and to spend some time, if that's what the parent wants, to spend time. But or, but, or if there's somebody that needs chizuk, okay, you so once in a while. But you have parents kaseda, kaseda, that the children are growing up in a home where officially they're under one roof, but the parents spend more time with other people than with their own children in the house. But the kid thinks there's the one place where my parents belong to me, my parents belong to the whole world, not to me. Not to me. And you don't have to necessarily be doing something with the kid. Just when the kid sees that you're not given over to something else or somebody else, that means that, look, me and Mela, my, mom, my mommy belongs to me. And my father belongs to me. But the kids are losing that feeling of the parents being theirs. It's a pachat. It's a terrible, terrible thing. The children are losing that feeling. And 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 they're, they're becoming, as they're growing up, they're becoming cynical. I talk to a lot of the kids. They're just becoming cynical about about their parents and what their parents... The parents will give them like every six months like this talk about how much they love them. The kids are getting cynical. They're, they're like, they're on, you know, they're on to us. They're catching on. That, it's, that, they, that parents can give a six, every six months or every year or two years a speech. You know that you're the most important thing in my life, right? <laughs> right? Right? And the kid says, sure, I know that, Mom. I know that, Dad. If I'm so important to you, then how come, how come you can sit on the... That they, hear the they hear the mother's or the father's talking on the phone. Nairish guide for two hours. Chazing over the same thing a hundred times. Talking about you know, light bulbs and Venetian blinds for two hours. Or more important things. But... We have to we have to think about this. We have to realize it, that the that the the tachlis of our lives is is to create the kodesh kadoshim in our homes. That's the tachlis of our lives, and that's why he says. Good. 
you, could, you should do good things and take care of mitzvahs, that's very nice and to be involved. But achakach. Now obviously it's very hard to know what's that achakach afterwards. What's the shear? Like what does that mean? So uh, somebody has to speak to another uh, godless, somebody that's older or wiser, you know, to, to try to figure out like what's a mahalach. Each person has a different mahalach in their lives. And as the kids get a little bit more self-sufficient, and I mean they're different shear, but there's no rule. Chal, there's no rule in any of these things. But we're talking about a certain way of looking at life. So isn't it amazing? This is the Nakuda of Rosh Hashanah. We, we, we read this before blowing the shofar. That Avram Avinu ultimately, ultimately he stands up for Yitzhak Avinu. Sorry, Mena says no. And there's nobody that could feel greater pain on earth sending a kid out than Avram Avinu and Sorry, Mena. That's a Talmidim Shalonu. When it comes to our students, those who are teachers, so Lot chose to live in stone. He picked a neighborhood. It's a fine neighborhood, stone. So that was a choice that he made. And he was making that choice for all future generations. There's a frightening thing that's found in Mikhtar Melio from Avdesel Azechat Saiklavrach. We're coming to the parishes. It says, I mean, we, we, we actually, we already. We're, we're, we're in this parasha. So it says, We learned in Chumash already that, that Moshe Rabbeinu took an oath with his father-in-law with Yisrael. Vayol Moshe says, Vayol Moshe says, Moshe Rabbeinu made an, a commitment, he made an oath. So Chazal, it's not clear what was, the, what was the oath that Moshe Rabbeinu made to Yisrael, to his father-in-law. Do any of you know about, Yisrael, about Moshe Rabbeinu's children? Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have an easy time with children. So what was the oath? Chazal say a frightening thing. Chazal say that Yisro agreed for Moshe Benet to be there and whatever with, with his wife. Moshe Benet agreed. Yisro agreed on the condition. I mean, he agreed to the marriage and so on, on the condition that the first child will be dedicated to become a priest for idol worship. This is before Yisro turned his life around, right? In the early days, when Moshe Benet first married. Into the family, Moshe had to swear that if I that in order to in order to marry your daughter, I swear that the first child will be a priest of idolatry. Now, from Gershom came out, from Gershom came out priests of Avodah So Rav Dasler asks, how could that be? Moshe Rabbeinu swore that that, that, that that what is that? What kind of a, what does that mean? So he has a section of Dasler. On Hashposa Sviva, that a whole mimer on on the influence of one's environment, the influence it has on children. So Desla explains that of course Moshe Benin never actually said there's none of this kind of a discussion. Do you swear that the first kid you're going to give to Avadazar? And Moshe Benin said yes, I swear. That's not it. So what actually? What does Chazal mean? In their own amazing code. In their way of talking, what does it mean? It means that when Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to raise children in Midian, it equaled, it was the equivalent of swearing that he's going to have at least Eneklach, grandchildren. Something's going to go wrong because of that decision that he made to live in that place. And his Madrega, I mean, you have to see inside the Mechtar how he talks about this. In other words, when a person... If a person sends a child to the wrong kind of a camp, or the wrong kind of, what does it mean, wrong? Again, I'm not, I'm not defining what's right or wrong. I'm just saying, Hashem is brought knows. If a parent makes a decision to send a child to the wrong kind of an environment for that child's kedusha, it can be written in Hashem's book about your life that you swore that that kid would be Machal Shams. You swore that that kid would, God forbid, end up with, a, with this kind of girl, that kind of guy. It's a pachet. I'm not saying this, Rav Dasla, if you have Tainus, you can go to, to B'nai Brak and talk to Rav, Rav Dasla. He won't, he won't answer you, but you can talk to him. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it, it can be written in the Torah. Each and every one of us has a Megillah that's being written about our lives as we're here right now. The Sukkim that are being written about, about us right now, it says that, Vayihi, and it was, Vayihi, you know, Yayim Harivi, whatever this day, that they came out in the ice and the snow to learn Torah. It's a Givaldi Geposig right now. It should always be a good psukim. So Hashem is writing psukim about us. 
So could you imagine? A parent makes a decision to send the kid. Why? Because uh, like I spoke about two weeks ago, because I want to fit in better into that chaver, because the parents of that school are more my type. So you send the kid to kind of school, he's going to learn a half hour Gemara, five hours biology, 20 minutes Chumash, two hours uh, math, 15 minutes Gemara, right? You make these decisions, and then, and then, and then what happens is that Leilainu, uh, the child didn't get enough Yiddishkeit, didn't get enough Torah, wasn't in a good Sviva, was tempted by certain things, being in a place which Zerangamish uh, mixed up the wrong things. And, and then the parents, of course, always complain that the teacher's fault, it's the Rebbe's fault, it's the school's fault, it's Hashem's fault, it's my grandparents' fault, everybody's fault. And in your, in your passage, he's going to say, Vayol, that you swore when you sent that kid to that yeshiva or to that school or that camp, that you swore that this kid is going to be a Mechal Shabbos, Hashem Yerachim. should never be. But you swore. And you're going to say, what? You think I want my kid to be Mechal Shabbos? How could that be a woman? What do you mean? There's nothing that means more to me in the world. That's the sentence. Than my kid being a, a good Jew. Azari. Nothing means more to you in the world except that you should feel comfortable with the parents in the class. Except that what? Except that it should be like no different than the way that I'm used to looking, addressing, or being, and so on and so forth. Not to have my kids become out stronger even, better even, because I'm afraid that it's going gonna, it's gonna to put me on the spot. It's going to force me. It's not going to look nice if my kid goes to school and I tell the kid to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to, and to dress a certain way, and mommy wants to dress this way, or mommy wants to talk this way. I don't want to lose all my friends. So, it's not... And, and then a person says, there's someone in Swansea, he says to Hashem, and Hashem says, what, you, uh, I have right over here? Because you, you come up here after 120, you cry, my kid came out to be, you know, look what happened to my kid, my kid... So the Bible says, what do you mean? It says over here in your postic that you swore that your kid's going to your kid's gonna be Mechal Shabbos. You swore. You're crying about what kind of a, what, my, my, look what kind of a girl my son married, the wrong kind of girl, the wrong kind of girl. She doesn't want to do this, she doesn't want to do that, she doesn't care about this, she doesn't care about that. She says, what do you mean? It says in, the, it says in your cipher you, that you, you, you swore that your son's going to marry that kind of a girl. And you're saying, I never in my life said such a I don't remember ever saying that. You know, when you made the decision where to send the kid to camp, to school, when you made the decision of how to dress your kid, of how to talk to your kid, of what machines to expose your kid to, and all of these things, it's Vayoyal Moshe Saish. Professor says, it's clear that that's the Pshat and the Medrash. Moshe would have never said that he swore. But when you make a decision to raise your kid in a Sviva, when you could watch your kid being, let's say, with, with, uh, under the, in, in a circle of friends, and you see it beginning, and you see that it's not, that somebody just told me today, one of the Chavayim, that without, that he wasn't even told, the kid had some kind of a party, and there was a, it wasn't one movie, it wasn't two movies, triple feature at, the, at this party. The kids, went, the kids went to someone's house for a party, and it was their parents, I guess they really didn't want to have to do anything, they, 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 three movies. Now I once did that when I was 16 in Fresh Meadows because they were, they were all, it was supposed to be a double feature and they showed a, a sneak preview, a third movie, and we only were able to be in the second row. Ad Hayyim, I can, it's hard for me to put my my head down because we were sitting there like this. And and I, and I remember we came home like at three o'clock in the morning. And, and we weren't even driving yet. We weren't allowed to drive yet. So who always came? So my father came 3 o'clock, Mother Shabbos. And my father said, I never heard in my life such a long movie. What kind, of, what kind of movie was this? So I said, Daddy, there wasn't a one. There wasn't two. It was, there, was a, there was a sneak preview. And my father was shaking his head like, like what's going to be? You know, what's going to be? You know? <laughs> and, and so three movies this person told me that the kid went to the house the, the parents the parents figured they're going to have a nice party they had a pin the tail on the donkey I don't know what they do nowadays <laughs> they can have a nice time they have some ice cream some pizza and sing a nigga or something and yeah three movies three movies the kid came home like you know and with all kinds of, and, and in those three movies and the three movies were not three movies that, 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 that the parents approved of or two of the three something like that were very very uh, were not at all on, on their list of what they approved and the other parents didn't even call nothing garnished so I gave a shtukum and I said you should have asked before how am I supposed to know we're living in these times there's the mitzvah of Shmir Sayyidim of watching the children same thing so what am I supposed to do I'm supposed to tell my kid not to go to the party all of this all of these things that people say it's because after the fact no matter where you send your kid to school they're always going to be there's always going to be stuff going on. It makes no difference. Everywhere there's stuff. 
But to say, how could I have expected that there would be a triple feature? What do you mean? If you would have done some research before you sent your kid to that school, you would have found that there are many times that there are at least double features for sure. Maybe even triple features. That's the, that's the, those are the families and that's what they like and that's the kind of parties they make. So now you're going to say to the Rebbein Shalom, I never knew and I didn't want my kid to see. No, b'chul, b'chul, b'chul. These are all games. It's Vayoyal Moshe, it's signing a piece of paper. I give my, when we're 120, it's going to, the Rebbein Shalom's going to have happy to be, happy to be, and the Rebbein Shalom's going to show your signature. You signed it. I never signed such a paper. You didn't? Sure you did. And they take out the books and they show you when you signed the, the, the registration form for that, for that school, for that camp. So what did I do? I thought my kid's going to be like a nice camper and then go to, you know, like I said last time, I was going to go to Etzisrael and become from and everything. Well, it didn't work out that way. What do you say about that? You know, your son met a nice girl in that camp instead of a nice rabbi. And it's your signature. Hashem is both should protect us that we shouldn't have to we shouldn't have to answer to that because over there in, that, in the world of truth you can't make up all the, the games and blame everybody like we do in this world all the games that we're playing in, that, in the world of truth it's true and they show you the signature and you have to explain and the explanations are not going to, are not going to work in that world Hashem Yerachim so what do we do? so on Rosh Hashanah yeah on Rosh Hashanah this is what we read about Abba Ravina is saying no Soyman is saying no to Yishmael. Yitzchak is not going to be in this Sviva. Yitzchak is not going to be exposed to this. Once Yishmael began to mock Yitzchak, he, made, he began to make fun. Lot, on the other hand, decided he was going to, he, he'll manage in stone. And, and that's where they separated. That's where Avraham Avinu built the Jewish people, and from Lot came out what came out. That's where they separated. Lot became totally corrupted by stone. What did what did Lot do? Isn't this, isn't this the scariest thing in the world? Everybody knows that when people came banging on the door, the whole mice are there by Lot and stone. What did Lot do? Rabbi say, who did, what did Lot offer the people? His own, his own daughters. It's, it's hard for us to imagine. So Lot, Lot says, listen, I learned in a good business. I was by Abba Avinu, I learned what it means to be kind. And kindness dictates that I, that I don't offer, I don't give my guests out to these people, I don't send out guests to these, to these uh, low lives. I give my own daughters. This is what it ends up happening, that you give your own kids over. He takes out the kids. He offers his own daughters to the people of stone. So it's all, and, that, and, and, and he felt he was being kind. Because how, he says, I'm not going to mistreat my company. I can't, I can't do that. So what? So I give my, my children. And his way of thinking was, the main thing is, that my guest should be, should be good. It should be nice for my company. It should be good. That's not how it was by Avraham Avinu. In Yitzhak, next page. In Yitzhak Avinu, Yushpa Mashu, Aymashu, Shiba Mashu, Ezashpa, Avraham Avinu knew that if Yitzhak was going to, is going to be influenced even a little bit of a Mashu, a little bit, in a negative way by that mocking personality of Yishmol, Miyad Girish is Yishmol Vaisarega. When that became clear, then that was it. And we read that before we blow the shofar. He didn't wait another minute and say, I'm going to try this, we're going to do that. Let's set him up in another place, let's fix him up like this and set him like that. He had to make that break. Which again, we can't fully understand. Because now way of thinking can make something could have been done. Avraham Avinu in his greatness, and so I mean they realized that there was nothing, that there was some connection there to Yitzchak that was going to, that was going to make a crookedness in the in the way of Yitzchak Avinu, that would that would ultimately cause the the, the Jewish people to be Khalila built on a foundation that was crooked. Hakol Yebeseder. Let's see that they don't. You know, we'll make that. We'll, we'll make that Yishmael doesn't talk to Yitzchak. He shouldn't talk to him. 
Machzor is a tshuva. We'll be mekarv and we'll bring it back to do to do tshuva. Loi, lo, berege echad, chesholech also im achemas mayim. He sends him out with water, im haimishlo with hagar. Hachutzamikan out. Which does seems to be the cruelest thing that's imaginable. Hayiladim tzrichim lias taharum unikiyim. The children have to be pure and clean. And that's why we read that right before Shofar blowing, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the year. This is Rosh Hashanah. We're now going to blow the Shofar. Now we're prepared to, that we, we're prepared to, to enter into the new year strong in our commitment, our understanding to what? To love those who are closest to us. And loving them means not just putting on them the nicest outfits and taking them to the most exotic vacations and so on and so forth. That's not what it means. In Hashem Yisbaoth's eyes, that's all a gelechte. Those parents that think that they show love to their kids by buying them more and taking them to fancier places and giving them better times and they think this is the, this is the Shia of Ahava, it's a gelechte. That's a joke. The Ahava, the Ahava, the Ahavta Raha Kamaycha is what? Is what the child was created for and what he or she wants in the essence of his or her soul, which is to be a Kaddish and a Tahar, to be pure and holy. And in the next world, the children have kindness. How come you didn't give me that chance? How come you didn't send me to a place where I could have become such a person? How come you didn't talk to me in that way? How come you thought that the way to love me was by was just by buying me things and by taking me places? That's the way that you love me. The way that you could have loved me was by sitting and learning a little bit with me. And the way that you could have loved me was by davening with me. And the way that you could have loved me was, was by not buying those things in the house that you thought were ways of showing me love. And if you really loved me, you wouldn't have bought those things. And parents can't say, I mean, if I really love, of course I love you. In this world, you could say that, but again, in the world of truth, that's when the game is over. So that's Rosh Hashanah. We're going into into the davening. We get it. We're going to go into Musaf Rosh Hashanah. Musaf Rosh Hashanah is the highest Musaf of the whole year. That's when we have the psukim of Malchus of Hashem's kingship and zechroinus and memory and shayfus. That's how we prepare. By what? By Avmarvinu and Sarimenu. Sending Yishmael away. Because now we have become recommitted to what? To that derech that we received from our holy ancestors. Which is that the most important, number one priority in all of life is Shmiras Hayaladim. Taking care of our homes. That's the most important decide in our lives. Akshav now we can begin a new year, and now it's possible to to be mamid klayisol to establish to establish klayisol. Bez Hashem, what we're going to what we're going to begin with next time are seven actual ways of shmir, seven points to focus on, seven nakudas of what we need to work on in this whole union of shmir seyaladim. And, and we're going to we're going to go into each of these seven, and 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 then he develops out of those seven he takes two or three and, and develops them in a much bigger way, and we'll add a little bit more to some of the other to some of the other makudas.